To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Jason Bast. So Jason's a fellow outdoorsman, and on the podcast, we get talking about this adventure hunt he had last season up in Northwest Territories for doll sheep. We also get talking about elk, but Jason is the owner of Forever Barnwood. Jason's a military veteran, company's veteran-owned, and he started this company called Forever Barnwood. And basically... He takes new wood and makes it look like old reclaimed barnwood. Reclaimed barnwood is is such a look that's going on right now out west, but really everywhere. Uh, and, and it's tough to get the same lot or same matching wood. Uh, he's able to create this, this barnwood look at a fraction of the cost with unlimited quantities. Uh, so this stuff is great. He's got a great mill that he's using where he's able to do this skips-on look in it. Also, he'll do a raised grain, so the raised grain looks like it's been sitting out in an old barn for a hundred years. Uh, it's just an amazing product that he's absolutely dialed on, and he has products for every part of your house. So uh, he has the floors, which I want to try in my next house. Uh, the floors just look amazing. Uh, he has box beams, he has posts, he has shiplap. Uh, he does custom doors with custom jams that are just beautiful, and the the craftsmanship is really high quality. So I'm going to use this for Barney construction on a bunch of the houses that I'm working on. It's a great look and it's a great Western look, uh, but really it's going on over, you know, throughout the entire nation right now. So uh, if you're building a new house, this stuff has a great price point. Uh, make sure to check them out and everything they offer at Forever Barnwood. And thanks so much to Jason for his support of the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it and really enjoyed this podcast, and I think you guys will too. I also want to thank Zamberlin Boots. Zamberlin is a great company that, that puts the highest quality products and craftsmanship into their shoes and boots. Um, so I've been amazed by this company. I've been using them the last few years, and I just love what they're producing. So I really like lightweight footwear, but it's built durable, and it's it's built with Vibram soles that really cut into the hillside for side hilling and uh, for rough and rugged terrain. So uh, I really like the 320 Trailite, which is a low-cut boot. Uh, it comes in at under three pounds per pair. Uh, they're absolutely awesome for backpack hunting. Uh, I also really like their hunting shoes, so they built it so it feels like a tennis shoe, but it's a little bit more burly and durable. It's waterproof, so your feet don't get wet, cactus can't poke through it, things like that. They're amazing. So I uh, used them all last season. It's the 215 Saluth GTX RR. Uh, just an amazing hunting shoe, and I really enjoyed using them. Uh, they they have a bunch of different models on there for all different preferences, and uh, I also see they've got some new models. The the 166 Mamba Mid GTX. It looks like a tennis shoe, but it's a, a low-cut boot. Uh, just amazing products there. So if you're in the market for new footwear, Zamberlin is absolutely the best I've ever tried. Uh, they keep their waterproof qualities uh, they're, they're built with the Vibram soles, good grip, and uh, just built durable to last. So uh, if you're in the market for new boots, make sure to check them out at Zamberlin. And over at Eastman's, 
And we've got some um, Beyond the Grid that are going to be dropping. That's the internet TV show. Make sure to check that out. Uh, We have the magazines Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. If you want a promo code and a free Outdoor Edge knife, just plug in Elevated321. Also, check out uh, Eastman's Tag Hub. Uh, Right now, we're in the heart of application season trying to figure out these states, uh, which units to apply for. And uh, they just do a great job of educating us on on how to hunt the West or what good units are out there, uh, what kind of opportunities are out there for the West. Um, so I believe you can put in the promo code Brian and receive a discount on there, maybe 10% off. And uh, you can find that at East, Eastman's Tag Hub. And um, man, with that, just getting ready here, going to make the, the Western Hunting Expo. That's next week, um, which is great. Looking forward to that show. Eastman's is going to have a booth there. Have me all set up for getting some quality recordings. So look forward to, to jumping on that and uh, hopefully seeing some of you guys there. Um, and yeah, other than that, um, just getting um, getting my wintertime training in here. I'm really looking forward to next season and um, quality adventures and starting to get my um, permits in and, and uh, get my name in the hat. In fact, hopefully I win one of those expo hunts would be great. Uh you know, you have to get really lucky, but you never know. So, um, putting in there, here, and everywhere, trying to plan out my adventures. It's going to be a fun year. But let's get into this podcast. Uh, it's with Jason Bast. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, I'm live here. I got my new friend, Jason, from Forever Barnwood. Um, Man, thanks so much, Jason, for the support of the podcast, and uh, I sure am happy to be partnered with you. Like, what a great company you've created. Well, I appreciate it, Brian. We're super excited about our uh, our new relationship with Eastman's, and uh, you, obviously, Brandon, Guy, Ike, uh, Mike, and, and uh, Gordon. I was just telling you off the air that, uh, you know, Gordon's probably the one that got me wanting to shoot a doll sheep when I was a little kid. And as you know, you can't you can't afford to do that every year. So, no, we're super we're super excited about this uh, the potential growth here, and uh, obviously to be associated with a brand like Eastman's and, and now uh, Eastman's Elevated is just uh, honestly I was trying to tell the guys how big a deal that was, you know, down at the shop, and I think they understand. So we're super super grateful to you guys for for taking a shot. Man, that's so awesome. Yeah, that that Gordon was a true pioneer. Can you imagine getting to explore some of that country he got to explore and look for those dolls and, like, take his best buddies up there, like, way back in the day? It'd just be absolutely wild, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and the funny thing is I, uh, when I was, you know, getting ready for this, I watched some of those videos that are on the Eastman's website, you know, the original Gordon footage of the Northwest Territories. And super interesting. I mean, a lot of stuff I didn't know. I mean, I had no idea that they literally essentially hired him to go take a camera into the Northwest Territories and find out what was there. But the most amazing part of that whole video, I thought, was those boots. And you probably know the guy's name, His one of his buddies there that was with him that decided he was going to get brand new boots for that trip. <laughs> I can't remember his name, but I remember the story. Well, Gordon told him, he said, what should I bring for boots? And Gordon said, hey, uh, you know, whatever you, you know, this is back, what, in the 50s? He said, just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you wear to work that's comfortable, um, just go ahead and wear those, and they should be fine for a three-month trip to the Northwest Territories, right? 
but apparently he had seen some of these uh, really shiny brand new Red Wing boots or whatever they were that were all, you know, made for hunting. So he bought a brand new pair and they've got a, a, a little part in that, uh, that video where he's soaking his toes. This is after like day one. He's soaking his toes in a stream and they're just tore apart. And then what he ended up doing was cutting the top front of the boot off. You believe that? And then wrapping it with tape. And that's how he spent the next three months in the Northwest Territories. I think those guys, I honestly believe those guys were way tougher than we are. And I'm, I'm speaking for myself because you're an animal. But um, they, those guys had something that I don't have for sure. No, you're speaking for me as well. That was a different, it, it was a, a different kind of human, that generation. Like I look at my grandpa or even even my dad for that matter and what those guys had to do in the Pacific Northwest uh, uh, with flannel and wool and, and boots. And you just had to be a level tougher. Like we've got all this great gear and I, I know both uh, me and you love to adventure and love to go hard. But I just can't imagine back in the day just the... That there wasn't as much uh, uh, knowledge out there. There, there definitely wasn't the quality of gear, and, and there wasn't there wasn't any uh, 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 safety protocols put in place. Like they were just tough men that went hard. So definitely a different generation back then. They they built them go, them guys tough, didn't they? Well, yeah, and I think they were just used to more discomfort. Like it was, I think there was there was just more of it in life, and so I don't think you were ever used to being all that warm especially when you're out in the elements and so i think they just yeah i think they were tougher now we've got the best gear the best down you know the best boots and so yeah it's uh yeah those guys and even in the construction business which both of you and i are in you look at some of the stuff they built and the conditions they worked in and you know now we have excavators and we're we're, we're project managers now essentially yeah nail guns and uh we've got a tool for everything i I can't imagine back in the day or doing it old style and like you say the great alls make things so safe nowadays and to get up and do that high stuff and big lifting and things of that nature yeah they they were just animals back in the day just a way tougher generation for sure and and i think we're losing that that some of the things that uh that me and you i think are uh still value and still try to keep is that toughness you know i think it's super important but um yeah they they just a different breed back then yeah and i I don't know what the i'm I'm about 10 years older than you so my kids are way softer than than i am for sure and way softer than you but i'm sure you know there's still good kids out there but i sound like one of those old guys now that's griping about the next generation but for sure yeah, well, you just try to instill those good values and ethics and, um, uh, you know, get them to value working hard. But, um, yeah, it's tough in today's day and age. We've got, like, a whole new set of challenges we've got to tackle with uh, social media and uh, the the tablets and uh, uh, phones and things of that nature. So uh, a whole different element that we have to tackle. But, yeah, it, it definitely is, like, lost. I always think of that saying that, it talks about uh, uh, tough times makes makes hard men, a- and then um, you know hard men. You want to make a better life for your kids, which they get an easier life. And soft times makes for soft men. Like there's this um, saying that it sure rings true. You can sure see it in today's day and age. Absolutely, and yep. that's why I, I'm you know I'm thinking that most of the kids now. I always I always tell my uh, my wife that the next generation of handymen are going to be the the richest guys in town 
because <laughs> it's amazing what your average person cannot do for themselves anymore. Even my oh, own kids. Isn't it? Yeah, and there's no curiosity. Like, when I was a kid, my dad, he was out changing the oil in the driveway. I wanted to know what he was doing, right? And he would show me. But I could be changed. I could be doing something super exciting, and my kids have no interest at all in, in even looking over my shoulder to see what the hell I'm up to. Consequently, you know, they don't know how to do much for themselves. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's it. Like uh, uh, today's skill set or like the, the working class skill set is lost. And and um, you're right. Handymen are going to be the next millionaires. I really like that saying, you know, be, and it's still like those good values of being able to work hard, uh, doing what you say you're going to do. Like like those all ring true and, and, and still get you a long ways in today's day and age. And maybe even further than in the, in the past where everybody was used to putting in that hard labor, that hard work. Like like now it's the exception and not the rule, you know. So for guys like, like, like you and I, you know, for me, Barney Construction, for you, Forever Barnwood, like uh, putting this hard work into that day in, day out, I think it really pays off, don't you? Absolutely. And actually, the workday really never ends. I mean, I, I, one of the jokes I had with Brandon at Eastman's talking about you is that uh, I wanted to find out how you got 30 hours out of a day. Because <laughs> listening to you on the podcast talking about being up and getting your workout in and then going doing the podcast and then working and then at the end of the day with the family. I mean, it's just, but it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally need to try and squeeze so much into a day especially when you got a lot of irons in the fire. And we talked about that. You know, you've got, you've got the podcast now and you've got Barney Construction and I've got a few different businesses that I try and run. And, and uh, at the end of the day, there is no end of the day, right? So Yeah, that's it. Uh, well, we were emailing back and forth last night at 7 o'clock when we were both off the job sites and uh, uh, still operating. And then up early this morning, I had to go grab stuff up in Bozeman, my nearest town. And so, you know, I left the house at 6.30, sent out my emails this morning. So, yeah, it's... um. It, it does. You have to be uh, really productive with your time, you know, and and um, that, that's about all you can do is you, you're just trying to get it all in in a day, you know, and be productive while you're there. And um, man, it's tough sometimes, it, especially like construction is tough, like just all the the uh, the work that goes into it that isn't hours on the job, all the orchestrating and organizing, you know, all the the phone calls and emails and text, all the the, the paperwork and working with the banks nowadays, like uh, none of those hours are really figured in into your, your labor rate, you know, and so you got to just fit all that in and your extra time. Uh, which is tough, but you know we we all just work away at it, you know, and do the best we can. Well, you do you do your paperwork after dinner, you know, mm-hmm. and then you. Uh, I actually this time of year I look forward to weekends because then you can catch up on paperwork because your phone won't ring mm-hmm. as much. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a different it's a different world, and I think you're you're absolutely right about the fact that if you're a kid nowadays and you you have a let's just say like a a farm kids work ethic. Um, I think it, you can, you can get away. I tell my kids that nowadays, uh, it doesn't take much for you to be in the top 5% in, uh, in outstanding performance or work ethic anymore. Especially if it's a, if you're the kind of kid that can do the physical work and not, not be bothered by it. You know, I don't get much help around my house. I don't know how your girls are, but 
I got two yeah, boys uh, and two girls, and, and uh, <laughs> if we can get them to take the garbage out without asking them, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> uh, without asking is the question. It seems like nothing extra is done around. Like anything you want done, it has to be stated. But my girls do a good job, and and you know, hopefully, I instilled that work ethic, and it, it's going to get them far in life. You know, whether that's schooling or uh, whether that's at their job. You know, they they seem to thrive in those environments. So so I'm hoping that that holds true. But yeah, that's the way it is when you're hustling and trying to make a better life for you and your family, and that's. Like exactly what I do with Barney Construction and the podcast and outdoor industry and exactly what you've done with Forever Barnwood, this business that you started. Man, I am so sold on these products for these Western style homes. And man, I've I've looked at it. So so your product, like tell me how you started this business or, or how you got your start in it. And then talk about some of these products you have or the finishes on them because they're amazing. Well, we, we started in uh, 2016. And uh, it was really a product that was born out of necessity. Um, being a builder, I told you this story, but um, we, uh, we built a model home. We, we try to have a, a home in the Pareto homes. I used to anyway, every spring or every fall or both. And uh, we had built a house uh, for a spring parade, I believe, and back in 2010 that had a really nice, uh, let's see, was it 2000? No, it was probably 2013 or 14 had a really nice reclaimed barnwood uh, bar that we built in the lower level. And we got so much traffic and comments. And, and uh, we actually ended up selling, I think, three or four houses off of that model. And I, I told you I was convinced that uh, that bar was the reason I got at least three of them. And uh, if you know anything about reclaim, which I know you do, um, one of the problems is that you get a batch of reclaim. It's almost like a it's a very unique batch there they you know it's it's from one barn in one location it's got its own um you know its own characteristics that are not there's no two alike they're like snowflakes so um you know then that's that's the problem so what happened was is i by the time i got around to building that house again and trying to replicate that bar i could no longer do it and it was just uh it was a disappointment for the homeowners obviously um and my, my partner in the Barnwood business, Chad, he, uh, I call him a wood genius because he's been in the wood business his whole life from, from, uh, he started out as a framer, he owned his own cabinet shop. Um, the, the man knows wood. He speaks the language. He knows, uh, he knows about all the species of wood, what it looks like, what it does, um, how it, how stains work on it, how, uh, polyurethane coatings work I mean the guy knows everything there is to know about wood which makes he and I a good compliment for this for this business but I was telling him that story and he said you know what Jay he goes there's got to be a, a way that we can make a product that that looks like barn wood um, but we make it out of brand new brand new wood um, so that's what we set out to do in 2015 and we spent our you know our extra time our downtime working on this and I would say we probably ran 5,000 board feet of wood um, you know we you know it, it was it was no small task we wanted to find something that was repeatable that was fairly easy and also we wanted it to be able to be used in commercial uh, in food situations so it couldn't have any lead formaldehyde um, any noxious smells um, it, it basically it couldn't have any of the stuff that real reclaimed barnwood has and uh so 
we we set off to to try and find you know basically a chemical that would age the wood and we worked for probably six months and we we had it pretty well dialed in it did what we wanted it to do but it was way too uh, smelly and and uh, way too flammable and um, it also wasn't compatible with a with a water-based uh, coating so we actually got some help from the local university uh, here in Wisconsin uh, they had a couple of grad students who were chem majors and uh, they basically you know it was all fresh in their head so they took our formula and they looked at it and and they're like oh yeah you can take uh, you can take this and subtract or substitute it with this and this and this and this and this and they literally in the matter of a couple of weeks they took us you know the rest of the 20 percent we needed to get there and uh so we then we started just making some boards and and it was really cool i mean you know what what our what our formula really does is it it's not a stain it's uh it reacts with the the acids that are in white pine and it's a trademark solution we call it secret sauce we couldn't come up with a better name, and uh, so that stuck. But um, it physically changes the wood, and so um, we started just making boards, and some of these boards were so beautiful. I mean, it just it brings all the all the color out of the wood. Um, it started out very simple. Our first shop was in a an old uh, auto garage in a little town in Wisconsin here called Ellsworth, and. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how it was born. And then basically, once we had a few products, we basically did it the old-fashioned way. We we put them in the back of the truck, and we went around and tried to find people that were that thought it was as cool as we did. And uh, I think I told you that our first trip was actually we we made it. Uh, we were going out west to Colorado elk hunting. I love that. Yeah, and so we. Uh, we filled the back of Chad's truck with with uh, barn doors and barn boards and newel posts and balusters and everything we had, and uh, we knew we had a an appointment in Des Moines, Iowa, with Beiser Lumber, so that was our first stop. And of course, once you show people this product, um, they wanted to keep a bunch of it. So as as we made stops, we had less and less barnwood. But um, what I had done is two weeks prior to that trip, I had sent an email to like uh, we picked 15 I think around 15 different um, businesses that we thought might be potential dealers for this product out in Colorado Um, and then uh, I sent emails and then we sent a little sample pack that we had we just blind mailed it we didn't you know we didn't know who it was going to we just basically sent it to the address and uh, we got done with our meeting in Des Moines and I said to Chad I said we don't have any appointment set up in Colorado I said we better start making some phone calls so as we turned on to I-80 we started calling these people and they're like oh yeah we, we have your sample box when are you guys going to be out here and um, by the time we were done I think we had 10 at least 10 appointments you know in the Denver area all the way down to uh, Pueblo because we were heading down to hunt around the Spanish Peaks down there and uh, so yeah we just I mean, and like I said, when these people, even people out in Colorado are used to looking at, you know, snow fence, reclaimed snow fence and, uh, and barn teardowns and a lot of different stuff out there, the beetle killed uh, pine out there, uh, they were blown away. And one of the things that was really appealing to those people was the fact that we had basically turned reclaimed barn into a commodity business. So 
now all of a sudden a builder could order 500 one by 12 by 16 foot pieces of barnwood and it would all be really amazingly different but at the same time they were all one by 12 and they were all usable and they were all 16 feet long and and nobody had ever seen that in the uh, in the reclaimed barnwood business so it opened up a whole lot of avenues for us not only residential but all of a sudden these commercial jobs that were out of reach for for a barnwood a reclaimed barnwood type product all of a sudden they they were they were attainable and one of our taglines uh, at barnwood is um, that you can build the product that you design instead of designing the the project around what you can source because that's what people used to do how much of this can we get well that's what we can do with it so it, it was definitely a game changer Oh, a game changer. And, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast. You guys nailed that mix. And I've seen some other mixes on the market before. I've even used some uh, where where I built like uh, beam truss work out of fur and then uh, used their, their special sp- sauce that they had on there. And, and it just doesn't even hold a candle to the wind to what you guys are producing. And, and like you say, using this Reclaim stuff – it is so expensive and then it's just absolute crap to work with like trying to work with the old beams that they pull out of these places or the old boards that they pull out of these places i've got 30 percent waste on these boards you know and 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 after seeing your product like um it just comes totally finished like like you want to talk about a one and a kind western home like using this barn board like i've already got huge plans for it uh, just through Barney Construction with the projects I have going, the 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 box beams that you guys build, the the shiplap, and you guys have two sides. You have a a weathered side which is raised grain, which I'm not quite sure how you guys are producing, and then also a circle sawn side. Um, uh, the the base and case comes totally finished, and so even when I look at the price of this or the price point of it. Uh, it, it's just a great price point when I figure I've got to sand it or I've got to have somebody stain it and finish it for me. When your stuff shows up, it's all finished. It's ready to go on the wall, and it it almost seems to have like an oil or a clear coat finish on it. Like um, uh, it it really is smooth to the touch. Uh, even though it has that that rough barn board look, but Jason, man, you absolutely nailed it. And it's it's not that gray look as much. Uh, it's more the browns that I really like in this in this barn board look. Just an amazing product, man. I am so pumped to start using this stuff. And I can't believe I hadn't heard about it earlier. Like, nobody's told me about it. Like, you talk about getting these dealers. Uh, there's a couple dealers that are up in Bozeman. I can't believe nobody ever tried to sell me this stuff or, or told me about it. Like, I've been buying it from... Uh, 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 Montana reclaimed lumber and uh, like we've got a uh, the reclaim business is huge in this area and so every time I need something I have to go try to outsource it from one of these places and it's a nightmare it's never straight I can never get enough of it and like you say it's always different lots so they never match each other and, and where yours has like a, a great uh, like like the boards they just um they have contrast to them but it, it's all in, in the same vein of things like they tie together so well so I, I can't wait I'm already making huge plans for not only my client's house uh, but my personal house and your doors are one of a kind like the in the craftsmanship and the milling and the whole deal man I'm just super impressed 
Well, I appreciate that. Um, that that uh, sheen you were referring to is actually, that's due to the resins that are in that secret sauce, um, which does give it a bit of a um, moisture protectant. Also, one thing that sets us apart from all the other products on the market is that we actually kiln dry our product down to what we call millwork specs. So the, the regular millwork that you would buy um, for your house is usually dried to between five and 8%. And so that's where we get our product down to. Um, and that, that creates so much stability um, with that product that you just don't see in any of the other uh, barnwood products mm -hmm. that you're going to find. Those are what we call shake and bake, uh, kiln dried, and they, they're anywhere between 17 and 25%. Mm -hmm. You put that barnwood in your house, depending on the climate, <clears throat> and that stuff will just start to twist and cup and walk. So... I mean, I really think, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that we got this thing right from the start. You know, any business you start out, we learned so many lessons along the way, and we've made modifications to a lot of different things. One of the things, um, you know, not, not that the product, it, it comes finished, but the cool thing about this product, too, is um, let's say you get a, you order, a, you know, you can order a mantle from us, an 8 by 8 mantle, and let's say that you're in the construction business, so you know that, you may not know exactly how long you want that mantle, you know, two months before you actually build that fireplace. As a builder, you, you probably do a lot of the stuff I do where, like, I'll tell people, my customers, that, you know, that, that fireplace is, is, we call that a, a build on site or design on site. So, in other words, we'll frame the opening, get the fireplace in it, and then we'll get together with the homeowners out on the job site and let them kind of, dictate how that's going to look because doing that ahead of time like in your planning meetings and stuff it just doesn't work I tell people to give me pictures you know and that helps a little bit but um, the nice thing about this is you can order a let's just say you you figured that mantle is going to be you're going to need a nine foot mantle well you order it nine and a half feet or ten feet and then when you get that mantle and those people decide that they need it they only want it to be seven and a quarter you know, you can cut that mantle off, take your hand sander and uh, sand the ends and take a quarter secret sauce and you can literally age that mantle on site and it'll look just like we did it in our shop. So it's super, once your carpenters work with this product, if they've ever worked with a Reclaim product, they will never go back. They will never want to go back. That's me. I'll never go back. Yeah, and there's nothing worse. Like you talk about the the shrinking and warping. Um, there's nothing worse. Like like woodwork looks so good in a house, but nothing worse than coming back to your work and seeing it shrink up and gaps open up, or seeing things twist, or even like beam work in a house that you spent so much time getting everything tight, only to watch it warp away from the wall or away from its post. It's just horrible. So having that kiln dry, that is a game changer, man. Well, you guys absolutely nailed it. Like the product sells itself. Um, just got to get it in um, uh, people's hands like mine. Like I am sold for these new houses and for my personal house. And like you talk of a one of a kind, like I think of it as a Western home, but I think it's the overall United States, but it, it makes such a unique house like to be able to use that for 
your base and case or for your beams or for your tongue and groove ceilings or uh, the flooring is unreal. And, and really the flooring price coming all finished like that is about the same price that I can get like a hickory or a walnut for. And you talk about one of a kind with the circle sawn marks in it and it's a sanded floor. So smooth, like, like, man, I am sold. I can't, can't wait to start using some of this product. Yeah. It's uh, and once you, once you get into it, we, it's like, it's almost like a, a drug for people because you start <laughs> with it, you get a little bit of it and then you, and then you want more of it. And, uh, and the other thing that makes us unique too, Brian, is the fact that I think you alluded to it, but you know, we're the only company in this market that does floor to ceiling. Essentially you can do, um, I'll just, I'll just rattle this off, but we've got, like I said before, dimensional lumber. We offer that in a one by four, one by six, one by eight, one by 10, one by 12, all reversible, like you said, with the raised grain. And we actually have a, we have a, um, a special uh, wire wheel that we designed. It's the only one in, in, in around that looks like it. And that's why it actually hogs that soft grain out of that pine. And it, uh, it really mimics, you know, what you would see in a board that's been on the outside of a barn for a hundred years. And actually that's why we have a reversible board because we tell a story about an old cabin. So on the outside where the sun and the wind and the rain and everything is beat on that cabin for a hundred years, all that soft grain goes away and it leaves that raised, that raised hard grain. And then if you pull that board off and you look at the inside, all that soft grain is still there, but it still has that, that color of an old barn board. So that's kind of the story with the reversible reversible board. We wanted it to be so authentic. Um, when you get your dimensional lumber, you know, you're going to notice that none of the ends are trimmed or cut. We want that. You know, uh, we've had people buy our boards just because they like the end grain. It literally looks like an old board that you just tore off a barn. So, um, and we get those one by fours, one by sixes, one by eights, one by tens, one by twelves, up to 16 feet long. Um, we also have two by four, two by six, two by eight, two by 10, two by 12. And that's also up to 16 foot. Um, mm-hmm. you mentioned the rustic plank flooring this year. We're actually going to add a, uh, a six and a quarter inch, uh, rustic oak floor, which is the only one you'll find around. That's got a circle saw mark on the, on the face. Um, you can order circle saw mark, uh, oak, but it's usually special order and it's super expensive. We're going to hit a really nice price point with that. Um, and then of course our, our pine flooring <coughs> is actually, uh, and we do oil finishes on all this. Um, our pine flooring is available in six and a quarter and eight and a quarter. The wall coverings you talked about, we got, uh, obviously ship lap, which, uh, you can do a nickel gap or a tight fit. Um, We've got a new product coming out this year called uh, Rustic Barnwood Plank, which is a 3 8 inch uh, by 5 inch do-it-yourself plank, basically is what we call it, because it's so easy to work with that any homeowner can take that. You can cut it with a chop saw, you can cut it with a hand saw. Um, it's a glue or nail or both product. Um, and that's going to either come in a nice little 4-foot box or 8-foot lengths for builders like us who like, like the longer stuff. Um, we sell stair systems from, uh, newel posts to balusters, to handrail, to code rail, um, the treads and risers. Uh, we've had people use one inch treads and risers, which are typical. We plant them down to three quarter inch. 
Um, and then we've also had people do two inch risers, open risers, and then also four by timber risers. I mean, uh, pl uh, treads, which is a really cool look, especially out west. A lot of people like to do those see through treads, the four inchers. Um, hollow box beams you mentioned, uh, those we've done up to 30 feet long. We can probably do them longer than that if you can ship them. That's the problem there. Um, in any combination of 10 inches, so 10 by 10, 4 by 10, um, any combination of 10 inches. Uh, the barn doors you mentioned, we, we not only have uh, barn doors that hang on, on tracks, which we also sell, sell the track and hardware, um, but we also now have that as part of that millwork package you were mentioning. Um, we have those uh, for interior pre-hung doors, and you can put any design that you want on those. Um, and that all that millwork package that does get sprayed uh, with a urethane uh, top coat. Uh, only the millwork, though, so it's mm -hmm. it, it actually mimics the millwork you would have in your house, like that cabinet you've got um, that I can see. Um, you know, that's got a, a urethane finish on top of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's really what sets us apart. The uh, cabinet component material. So we we build some. We don't build them, but we've had some people build some beautiful, in our showroom down at our office, uh, beautiful cabinetry, you know, a regular melamine box uh, faced with our barnwood. We sell the, uh, the face frame material and the rail, style and rail material. So all your cabinet maker has to do is buy the components, and they can, they can build you a, a, basically an entire barnwood set of cabinets, countertops, two-inch countertops for bars and, and houses and yeah I mean it's just that that's basically what we didn't want to compete with just the wall covering guys there's a million different wall coverings out there you can put on that call themselves barnwood but there's nobody that's doing uh, the full gamut like us mm -hmm. yeah and just quality of product too quality of those doors like uh, looking at some of your photos on your website like Gosh, you build any of those barn board uh, uh, doors, like they're never straight and true. Like being able to work with um, uh, good quality new wood and then being able to use that coating uh, is just uh, an amazing process. But everything is, is so tight and uh, crisp and clean with those things. Like, um, and, and you're right, like the, the full gamut uh, of products. Like, man, those houses that you're doing in Wisconsin, uh, those things have to be unreal, huh? Those uh, using just more and more of that barn board, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, we're building, a, you know, unlike out west, it's a little bit more of a, uh, uh, a contemporary style that's in here. Um, we're doing a lot of white millwork, white cabinets. That's all real popular, uh, grays, um, that kind of thing. But <clears throat> as you saw in those photos I sent you, um, these new houses I'm building out here, uh, the barnwood accents are just off the chart. Whether you're talking about a coffered ceiling uh, in a bedroom or, or in a, uh, a kitchen, or uh, we do a lot of floating shelves uh, for accent walls. We One, one thing that's really popular here is to, is to do... Uh, uh, bathroom walls like behind the toilet uh, that might be a, an accent wall it could be uh, it could be a traditional hundred year old shiplap wall or it could be our new farmhouse white color um, which comes in three different textures uh, weathered circle sawn and smooth um, but uh, the accents I wouldn't say in those houses you have to 
you got to make sure you don't overdo it. You got to walk a fine line between mm-hmm. um, between overdoing it. But one of the things that's super popular now are these uh, these sheds that people are building, you know, with the living quarters in them. And there's a lot of people that are going just 100% rustic with those. We've had some people that did just nothing but barn wood in uh, in those sheds, um, hunting cabins, uh, lake homes. I mean, it's just uh, then you get into a lot more where people will just go full barn wood. But the new houses you were referring to, yeah, a lot of accents and uh, mm-hmm. really cool stuff. Uh, uh, oven hoods, you know, the hood above the above the cooktop. Uh, we do a lot of soffits, so like the soffit on a on a porch, or the soffit that uh, is underneath uh, the overhang on the front porch of the house. Uh, we're doing a lot of those uh, in barnwood. We're also doing some exterior stuff too with corbels uh, in the in the gables. And uh, people are doing a lot of pillars, exterior pillars. They're putting an exterior protectant on it. And uh, in 2022, we're also going, we're also rolling out a, uh, a barnwood siding, which has got a standard beveled siding profile, which is going to be huge for us. And I think it's going to be a killer look. We just ran a few uh, prototype boards last week, and, and uh, we're super excited about the way those look. So that'll be something late this year that we roll out. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, it's, I, for the last five years, nobody's put more barnwood in houses than I have. So I've worked with <laughs> everything, which is great. Yeah. Um, so I've seen it all. We're doing a lot of big commercial jobs. We did a huge hotel here in, uh, in Stillwater, Minnesota for, uh, for the after midnight group called the Crosby hotel. And that, that hotel is a, uh, it's like a, a a 1920s kind of a, a period hotel so mm-hmm. uh, very rustic the the theme is kind of a whiskey bar and uh they used i mean they did everything in barnwood and and the funny thing is when they started there was going to be very little barnwood but <clears throat> once they saw what we did and uh it's kind of a joke it's like whenever they didn't know what to do they would cover it with barnwood <laughs> and it went from a little tiny project the way it started to something that's uh, it's been a great relationship for us and for them because they own a chain of bars up here in Minneapolis in the, in the Midwest called Cowboy Jacks and uh, we've done a lot of work in, in their bars and restaurants and uh, that's a franchise so we've done some franchises as far west as North Dakota for those Cowboy Jacks restaurants and bars and uh, yeah it's just uh, it's it's very exciting. So we are pretty much nationwide now. We ship to all 50 states, and uh, I don't think there's a state that we don't have some barnwood in now. And and really, that's that's the whole idea behind uh, a relationship with Eastman. You know, we just really wanted to to hitch our wagon to a, a really quality brand that people recognize. And the other thing is that people trust it. And I, t- I told you this. One thing I really appreciate about you, Brian, is you know, listening to your podcasts, you know, when you, when you do advertise and you do talk about products that you like, you, you actually are, you actually like them. This isn't just a, a my pillow commercial. This is uh this is serious. Um, you know, you, you use this stuff, the, the equipment, the gear. And I, I venture to say that if you, you didn't like it, you would not endorse it, uh, no matter what. So, um, I really appreciate that, and obviously the integrity behind Eastman, the brand, is is unmatched. So, 
that's a great thing about Eastman's that, you know, that we have to, to, to look and use and touch all products before we'll back it with the Eastman's name for sure to make sure that it's something that we'll use and, and something that we believe in. And, and that's the best uh, uh, marketing you can get and the best relationship you can get. Um, so yeah, man, I'm just absolutely so like out West here, um, our homes, we're using so much of this barn board look. And I, I'm just amazed I haven't come across your product otherwise, but, uh, if you guys are looking for a one of a kind, unique place, and and a lot of this barn board is going on our our higher end homes, but now it's something that that even us working class can afford and have and have that look. And, and out west, it's just so popular right now with, with everything that you mentioned, from beams to flooring to to cabinets to to trim. But you can really have a unique one of a kind house uh, just by using your products, and it's affordable. It actually. You know, it it um, uh, you can compare it right to the same products that I'm using to finish these houses now, and, and it is we are seeing a bit of that contemporary look as well, but a lot more of that that Western style finish. But that that barn board fits into to both of them, and it it it's actually in a contemporary house with a bunch of white trim and white walls and things. It really makes that that barn board stand out. Um, so yeah, I just, I can't wait to, to continue this relationship and to use it, uh, through Barney construction as well. Um, this is just really going to be cool to be able to offer this to my clients. So if you guys are interested, make sure to go check out the website. He's got a bunch of pictures on there, bunch of products. And just like he stated, they're shipping direct now. You can get direct pricing. Uh, I know I'm going to be using a bunch of it in the future, but yeah, I, I just couldn't be happier about the relationship and especially like, uh, uh, so much in common with you, Jason, like both being carpenters and, uh, owning our own construction business, uh, working with these products all the time all the way to like a uh, 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 hunting and I really respect and like I, I think it's really neat that that you guys at Forever Barnwood could choose anybody to to advertise through and um, uh, you put your money behind like a product that you like and behind a company that you like uh, you listen to the podcast uh, 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 get the magazine watch the videos a fan of Eastman's and then want to partner with us and so yeah I just want to grow this relationship but um, again I just think it's so great that you put your money behind um, uh, products and companies that you believe in and and same with me I just can't wait to to use these in some of my houses and um, I, I've already shipped um, one of my clients a bunch of your products here and uh, we're doing a phone conference that I believe takes place tomorrow you know about these products so we'll see uh, how much of it he wants to use but again I just gave him a little bit of the drug you know with giving him uh, those samples and, and the samples um, uh, you know you can just see the quality and the finish and the quality in the product so I know giving him a little bit of that drug all of a sudden I'm gonna have to order truckloads of this stuff from you you know for uh, accent walls and for ceilings and for box beams and things of that nature so uh, man I'm, I'm just stoked I, I got to meet you and and learned about the company uh, just for my own benefit through Barney Construction, but even more so to spread the word to uh, to the audience members. You know, so many guys are building homes or getting ready to build homes or uh, builders like me. And to find this product um, will just take your own business to another level. Like a lot of our construction business is being able to outsource quality products and, and, and having like I've got these mills in my back pocket where I get flooring and where I where I get these products that I know I can believe in that aren't going to shrink up on me, not going to gap up. And so like, um, 
a big part of, of being a general contractor is, is like having these subcontractors and suppliers having these contacts that then you can give to to your client, you know, and pass on to your client. And so this is definitely going to be a going to be a big one for me. So yeah, I can't wait. So like um uh uh so 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 having this business, having the construction business, how do you ever find time to hunt? Actually, this fall I didn't. <clears throat> I, uh, I went <laughs> oh, no, a, that's not what I want to hear. No, I, I, I did a little bit, but um, I actually did a, my my bucket list hunt, and I went to the Northwest Territories this fall. And, of course, Canada just opened up in August, so um, didn't didn't get an opportunity. I was supposed to go last year, and then COVID, COVID canceled that trip. And so uh, we actually got a call from our outfitter up there, uh, Stan Stevens, uh, I want to say mid-August, and, and he wanted us up there September 6th if we could make it. So <clears throat> we didn't have much time to train, and uh, especially my partner that I went up, up there with, he, he had uh, even less time to train than I did. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, like I, like I said when we started this, uh, Gordon Eastman and those early Eastman uh, films – they really get that that mountain hunting and that that sheep hunting in your blood, and frankly, uh, you know, a, a doll sheep is really the only sheep that's within the the working man's budget anymore. You know, and, and your your chances of drawing an actual uh, sheep tag as a non-resident from Wisconsin anywhere out west is like winning the lottery, pretty much. So, um, so yeah, I I did that and uh, and it was. Uh, you know, it was honestly everything I, I hoped it would be. Um, the first time on a float plane, uh, super nice camp, awesome country, um, accessed it uh, via helicopter, which is, is nice to get you. It's such big country. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And I don't know about you, Brian, but do you ever sit there at night when it's 25, 30 below zero and wonder how those animals survive? I, I, I'm kind of a weirdo. I got the, on my on my weather app on my phone, I've got Norman Wells, Northwest Territories. I've got Yellowknife, Northwest Territories plugged in there. And when it's when it's like 20 below here, I'll, I'll just I'll go to Norman Wells and I'll see what the what the temperature is up there. And it's like minus 39 feels like minus 61. And I'm, I'm picturing those sheep up on one of those open hillsides looking for a, a patch of grass to eat I, I don't know how they do it that ram that i shot this year was 12 years old wow and it was missing about five of its teeth and i'm not sure that that ram would have probably made it through this winter but it it's just incredible these, these what a uh, hearty animal man that is wild isn't it yeah how do they i don't even know how they do it they don't migrate i found out um and you probably knew this but they our outfitter told us that a sheep will live its entire life within a five-mile radius, which out there can cover a couple of, you know, huge drainages and a couple of big mountains. But still, I, I had no idea that, that sheep were, you know, lived their whole life in a small area like that, summer to winter, the whole the whole deal. But um, anyway, I was telling you earlier about I, I, I did shoot a sheep, and it was, uh, it was a real nice ram. It wasn't... Uh, wasn't a giant. It was uh, about 39 inches, 
uh, which is that's a, a giant. Yeah, which was a great <laughs> ramp. And the guy that I was with, the funny thing is, we we flew up there, and he's this was his third time up there, and uh, he wanted to shoot a doll sheep that looked more like a uh, a bighorn. He wanted one that was not quite as long but had real good mass, and that's pretty rare. But um, he had seen one uh, a few years ago when he was up there that was like that, and he, he wasn't able to kill it. Um, and we, I think on the fourth or fifth day, we actually spotted a, a group of three rams, and uh, we ended up hunting uh, together because they were short guides because of COVID. So uh, we like hunting together, though, so that was that was not a problem. So it was one guide and then uh, Al and I. And uh, we actually found a, a band of three rams, and, and one of them was the one I shot, and then the one that Al ended up shooting was, was a, a ram that went over 40 inches and uh, had, had massive uh, bases, uh, just like a bighorn. It was, it was really amazing. I'll send you a picture sometime so you can see what they look like side by side, but we, we got really lucky that way. Um, shot those rams together. Al shot first. Um, I shot I shot the ram right at my ram right after he shot his ram, um, and my ram <clears throat> ran downhill into some into some brush off of a pretty good cliff that he he worked his way down through the brush, and uh, it was uh, it was far enough away and it was late enough in the afternoon that we could not get there to recover either of those animals that night, <clears throat> um, and when we got back up there in the morning we we walked in on a on a mother grizzly and her cub. And you you know how dangerous that is. Um, they've actually had a couple of hunters, and I believe a guide killed up there in the last 20, 25 years out of this camp. Um, you can't shoot grizzly bears in the Northwest Territory, so they get real real brazen, and uh, they really got they have no fear of humans. And uh, but uh, luckily for us, the cub saw us, and the cub ran. Mother never saw us, so we we boogied out of there that night went back down to camp uh called in the chopper and uh, they picked us up and we actually uh flew back to base camp and then came back in the next day with a couple of additional uh guides and uh went back up the up the mountain and uh those those two grizzlies were still on that kill and they had taken my ram and they had buried it and uh <laughs> ate, ate the hindquarters out of it and uh, chewed the nose off it of all things. So, um, so, but it was. I mean, talk about adventure. I mean, <clears throat> like, like you know, everybody felt bad for me because I was the only one that didn't have a cape. Um, but I thought, man, I got the best story for sure. <laughs> um, we went back up there. It was almost like it reminded me of my military days. You know, we we went back up there. We were fully armed. We spread out. We 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 took up positions. You know, and. And uh, luckily, uh, the the sow and the uh, and the cub ran and took off. So then I I, uh, I I went running in there and I unburied that thing as quick as I could. Got the head cut off and and we got out of there. But yeah, what a what a great trip and and uh, unbelievable country and just you know it's a, it's a bucket list trip. It's it's not one that uh, most people can afford to do very often. But uh, I. I couldn't uh, I couldn't ask any more out of it for sure. 
Man, that's so wild. Yeah, not many people have to dig up their RAM. <laughs> that's so wild. Uh, but great perspective, too. Way to look at it as like an adventure. And like, yeah, you don't get the cape or, you know, buried it. Maybe you didn't get, you know, the, the sheep meat that you wanted. But but it's all just part of it, you know. And, and good on you, like, pulling the trigger on this bucket list item. Like, we only live once. And, and hunting sheep in Northwest Territories is is like out of this world like um just the the terrain up and through there that that above timberline like everything looks loose and the rock slides and shoots and those big basins just giant country up there like like everything screams adventure up there and and good for you like pulling the trigger with a good buddy and getting up there and going and having the adventure of a lifetime up there uh uh it had to be wild like uh being able to 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 go from wisconsin to go to a place like that and walk those high ridge lines up and through there and be looking for white sheep and the the species itself um gosh those beautiful wide flaring horns and um uh uh big long curls like you said yours was 39 which is an amazing ram uh it had to be wild like i've uh, just to look at them through the spotting scope to 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 see those rams and how they work through country and I'm like you I don't know how they survive up there and I I'm not sure you know they eat on those grass slopes up there but it almost seems like they're living off moss and rocks up there you know they they live where us humans we can only visit that place we can't survive or live in that place or stay for an extended period of time and we definitely couldn't be up there right now in the winter time so so just wild to be able to to visit such a a pristine place like that and then you know take place in a hunt up there after a ram of a lifetime man it's just so wild i uh uh same thing i want to pull the trigger on a on a, a bucket list hunt like that for those doll sheep just absolutely amazing well i thought about you when i was up there because i thought boy if a guy could shoot one of these with a bow you're gonna need more than than two weeks i think i mean it, it's hard to get close to those things and the the country is so tough um, and that's one of the things that really uh, struck me when I was up there is just how far, like I'll never be that far from anything again in my life. I, you know, hundreds of miles from anything. There's no noise. There's up that far north. You don't see any planes flying over. It's like it's the most quiet silence that you've ever experienced in your life. It's, it's unbelievable. And then, and then just the awe of those animals you know, living and, you know, interacting with each other, the caribou up there and the, and the sheep and the bears. And it's just, uh, it's, there's not even many birds up there <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> I mean, they don't even want to have anything to do with it. You're right. There's a feeling up there when the plane takes off or when that helicopter takes off and you look around like, you know, I look I love where I live in Montana and I get to look at this huge drainage. But there's houses littered across and roads and trails. But you get in some of those big basins and look at them up there and, and there's no human structure. There's there's no human roads. There's nothing up there. It's just like you say, you, you'll never be that far away from something. And it is like a like a, a visceral feeling up there, like being out there in nature, like uh, you versus those animals. And there's no guarantees. Like you say, grizzly bears and uh, uh, the weather up there and then steep terrain. And then um, 
dude, good job with your shooting. That is not easy to be the second shooter in line. Like sometimes uh, uh, guys will try to pull off the three, two, one shoot, which is like a, a huge trigger pull for both guys. And then you end up missing both. So you gave your buddy the first shot and then got on your rifle. But that's not easy to do to be the second shooter. We, we had done a lot of long range shooting and uh and it worked out fine i would i do i wish my ram would have dropped in its tracks yeah but um like i said it it, it turned out that uh it was you know an amazing adventure and and you know nothing that you could even you can't even make it up i could have never you know foresaw that happening before it did so man that's what life's all about those experiences like that like uh being able to go there and and, uh, but I can't wait for that experience. podcast after you shoot yours up there with a bow. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Me either. I can't wait for that one either. No, I want to hunt those things so bad. I, I've got that same sheep fever, and you talk about drawn tags. Like, I apply all over the West and have for the last 20 years and have yet seen a sheep tag. You know, they're just tough to come by. Love to hunt a desert. Love to hunt a bighorn. Uh, but like you say, that doll is something that you can save your pennies for and uh, uh, maybe be able to do a time or two in your lifetime, you know, which is um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I love those doll sheep. Um, just just a beautiful animal with those white coats and flaring horns. Uh, there's just nothing like it. And I have uh, I've been up to Alaska now three times. And I, there was one time that I got to to glass up some sheep on um, some of that Brooks Range stuff that was just super cool to watch them. And then. Um, yeah, I've been invited on a, a, another guy's sheep hunt uh, that I just want to take part in and just go have that experience. Even if I'm not the shooter, uh, I get to go suffer with him on the mountain range, you know, and try to survive up there. And, and just the miles you put on up there. And, and like you say, how big the country is. Um, it, it's just got to be a humbling feeling. And like you I think it took us four hours just to get back up there the next morning. So, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's tough country. It's really tough country, and of course you're out. You're packing your camp, you know. So you got a 60, 60 to eighty pound, you know, camp on your back the whole time. It's not for somebody that's not in in pretty decent shape. I can tell you that it's right now. It's not for the faint of no, heart, It's man. a bucket list, but you, you don't want to go up there and die. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. That, but I'll tell you what, oh, though, that... you can't prepare yourself for it, though, either. Uh, no. That first couple days at altitude. And carrying that pack, I had cramps so bad in my tent and my legs uh, that first night that I literally, I couldn't get the cramps out of them. You know how usually you can move, but then the other leg would cramp up. And it was just, uh, but then, you know, just like, you know, uh, the second day is better, the third day is better. And then by like day four, <clears throat> you feel like you, you were born there. And uh, it'd be nice if you could start there, but it's like that on every trip. I don't care how much. Well, maybe you train hard enough to, but it's so hard to mimic that, the, mm -hmm. the steepness and the, you know, the footholds and the, and the weight. And uh, it's just, it's so hard to mimic that in training that you really, you have to actually just get up there and, and suffer for the couple, the first couple of days and get your legs and your altitude. And then, uh, and then you can, then you can, you can conquer it. I'm the same. That country just shocks the body and, and the body will adapt to the, to the stress you put on it. But, uh, up in that country, yeah, it's just grueling in that, uh, the elevation is an equalizer. And then also the weight on your back, like carrying your camp. Like I, I, I think, um, 
you know, that's one of the, 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 the coolest ways to be able to hunt is, uh, with your camp on your back. Like it, it just feels like, uh, uh, one of the truest forms of hunting, you know, like, uh, it, it's just so primitive that you can only get there, you know, on your two legs and with what you can carry. I just love that style of hunting. And, um, but it does shock the body and even, you know, hunting these high country mule deer. Yeah. It, it's a shock to the system when you get up there and, uh, start climbing that elevation and you strap that pack on for the first day or two. And yeah, you, uh, you sure sleep good at night and, and like you say, slowly, but surely your body starts to get used to it. Uh, but that's just awesome, man. What a great adventure. Good for you going again next year. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'll try and do, I'll try and get out West though somewhere next year. I don't know exactly where. Yeah. You hunt out West quite a bit, huh? Yeah. We, uh, we like to go out elk hunting. Um, we, we hunt both public and private and, uh, Colorado, Montana. We talked about, uh, we used to hunt, uh, it's been a few years now since they changed the, uh, the tag draw, but we, we hunted the Missouri breaks a lot in Montana out there. And uh, I don't want everybody to go up there and hunt the breaks cause that's, that's, uh, that's really an amazing country. It's, uh, I think people, uh, underestimate the breaks too. Uh, there's massive giant animals there. Well, bighorns. I think there's something in the soil cause they grow big antlers out there. Mm-hmm. That's the only place I've ever seen the bulls that were, that were pushing upper threes to maybe even 400 inches. Mm-hmm. Never shot one, <clears throat> but, um, seen them. And, uh, and that country, even though it's not mountainous, it is tough country. I mean, it is dry, it's loose, it's steep, um, and it's big. It's way bigger than uh, – it's hard to believe those are just drainages that started out with rainwater and made their way toward the Missouri River. It's unbelievable, but I really love hunting that country. Oh, you had the same love for it that I do. Yeah, it's um, it's wild country. They do grow everything big out there, including uh, rattlesnakes and spiders and big bulls. And uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's its own ecosystem out there, which is really wild. And and you do like it's not mountainous terrain, but that's almost part of the challenge. Is you can't tell what the good feeding features are, bedding features. Like it's just all good country. It's 300 square miles of good country. And so, like, you just have to work your way through that country and find out where those animals, you know, are congregating in through there. And it can be different from year to year. And, and they do have places that they um, uh, that they prefer, you know, uh, year after year. But it, it just changes. Like, they, they seem to be nomadic in that country and really move through it and adapt to wherever they, they end up. And, and in that country... Like you say, it's not huge mountains where you're climbing 3,000 vertical feet, but man, you can wear yourself out in that country. We call it coolie humping. And uh, if you don't take the right or uh, if you don't take the right way into country using the ridge lines and you come out, maybe it's foggy or you come out a different way, you can end up going up and down 25 different coolies to make it back to where your vehicle is or back to a road or back to a main ridge line where then you can cover country. So like uh, uh, navigating through that country is, is so crucial, you know, but but yeah, it, it's it's tough. Uh, they're high pressure elk, which they're really switched on. They're like closer to probably an antelope or a way an antelope acts than an elk. Sometimes, you know, when you get to, to hunt in those high pressure elk, they just act different and they know humans are after them and they know that humans are danger. And so they really look out for you. They use their, their eyesight more than other elk. It seems like, like they can really pick out 
a human figure from miles away. So it's definitely got its own challenges, and there's a lot of great places to hunt elk, but uh, that that place is is definitely special, and it's its own experience hunting elk. So I'm glad you got to um, uh, have the same love for it that I do. Are you surprised at how many elk use that uh, that that sagebrush country out there? Yeah, and yeah, it, they'll use that that it, wide open terrain, won't they? Yeah, and you wouldn't even know it unless you got out there in the dark and heard them out in that in that sagebrush because it's it's empty during the day. But um, it, it I was that's the first experience I ever had with elk that weren't living in you know heavy cover, whatever you want to call it, down in mm-hmm. those in those coolies or up in the mountains. And, uh, I mean, I think, I think it's because there's, there's water because of the cattle and there's, and there's, there's grass and it, it goes back to that, you know, that old saying is, you know, follow the food because that's where those elk are going to be. But I, 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 I absolutely love that country. And actually that was, uh, talk about, uh, you know, uh, just, just the, that that's a good place for somebody to if you want to see elk it's very good for glassing i mean i I like the fact that there's not a lot of you know a lot of places you can't see it's one of those places you can set up and glass and and look over a lot of country uh problem is that they're they're buried down in a lot of that country too so you don't always see them up top or in the openings and that kind of thing but yeah really yeah love getting out west and uh look forward to it every fall to me, it's yeah. uh, it's re- it really recharges the batteries. I don't know. You guys live out there, so you probably can't appreciate that. But for us, it's there's something special about even driving out there, you know, and seeing those wide open spaces. I don't know what it does, but it definitely puts uh, definitely puts some some hot back in your step when you come back east here. Man, that's super cool. Yeah, it it does. Like. Um it it's uh i'm so fortunate to be able to live out here and experience it all the time but to have that that time to really go challenge yourself in the mountains or in the prairies or in the breaks is um is special and i feel that same way like uh everywhere i drive across the west has like a different feeling as i'm driving it and just try to enjoy it from start to finish but um i can hear your experience as you talk about that country like it is nice uh, being more open terrain, you can glass a lot of it, but you're right. You don't see all the elk in it. They like to to be in those folds and, and be in those draws, and, and you can't see everything from one spot. You almost got to just go work your way through that country and, and uh, look at it all and, and bump into them. And, um, man, and I, reading like, uh, I love reading Lewis and Clark's journal like about the Missouri breaks, and they, they talk about um, – like uh, they actually talk about grizzly bears in there, but they talk about the mosquitoes and how evil the mosquitoes were. And if you ever hit the brakes on a bad mosquito year, like uh, uh, it, it's great hunting because nobody leaves their vehicle or their camp to go hunt because the mosquitoes are so thick. They just dang near want to carry you off. But um, reading Lewis and Clark's journal about the Missouri breaks, uh, I can really relate to, to what they're talking about, you know, that that. Um, you know, talking uh, about that country and about the folds and about the animal life, like uh, it, it hasn't changed much in all these years. You know, it's it's still so similar. Uh, but yeah, that that's awesome. You have that that same love for the West that I do, and yeah, you, you get to experience different parts of it. You say you hunt Colorado and and um, hunt Montana and hunt private and hunt public. I think it's like um, you know, private gives us uh, such good access to good quality hunting as well. And you know, a lot of times I I wear that 
that badge on my on my sleeve of hunting public because it is tough with with pressured animals and in higher pressure but uh the reality of the situation is is um private land offers some really good hunting and and what i love most about hunting is like the action being able to get into one of those rut fests where those bulls are bugling like crazy and like where you're seeing those giant bulls that you talk about in the high threes or the the fours and that's one of the things that you know, private land, if you get the right place, will give you access to is to be able to drive from Wisconsin to Montana or to Colorado and be able to put yourself in one of the very best elk spots to go experience it because you only have a week or you only have 10 days where I have, you know, the entire season or whatever. So, um, man, it's just super cool, Jason. Yeah, and there's a stark contrast between public and private out there for sure. And that's really why we started going to private a little bit more is because eventually you do want to see what it's really what it's really all about you know you want to see those big herds of elk and and it definitely doesn't mean you can still kill the one you're after that's for sure there's no guarantee but at least it it uh, like you said you get to see it and you know that's funny you should say that because you know if you think about it I don't know you kind of over the years you kind of start to forget about a lot of the experiences that you have until you really sit down or something reminds you of of an experience and then you can go back and say oh yeah i did that and i you know um but you know that on that sheep trip you know actually pulling the trigger on that sheep was so anticlimactic it was it was amazing um i don't even remember it to be honest with you how sad is that you look forward to that for for 30 years and then you do it and you can't even remember that part of it but on the other hand that's kind of a good thing and it, it kind of says something about, you know, what, what really matters. Uh, you know, it's not so much the killing of anything. It's really, it's all those experiences that you, you put together over time. I mean, I got a lot more experiences of, of animals that I didn't kill that are super cool that, you know, than, than ones that I did kill that were super cool. So, um, I think that's how you have to approach that, especially with something as tough as, as tackling, you know, the Northwest Territories or, or tackling public land, mule deer or elk. Um, you better you better get off on the experience uh, and not the not the actual harvest, or it's you're really it's going to be like golf after a while. <laughs> you never get better at it, and you hate yourself. <laughs> you're so spot on, Jason. I love that. You you can't. Uh, you can't fall in love with the success. You have to fall in love with the process. Like you better enjoy the entire adventure uh, because uh, you're not going to have success all the time. It's not going to happen every hunt. And and also, you know, that's a very small fleeting moment of the entire experience. And so to enjoy the entire process is to enjoy the adventure. And so I think that's a good thing. You don't remember pulling the trigger. You remember everything else about the Northwest Territories. I think that's beautiful. man. Yeah, I do not remember it yeah well super cool man uh jason i really enjoyed chatting with you i'm really excited about this partnership so uh guys make sure to go check it out at forever barnwood and um jason we'll keep in touch i'm sure i'll have an order into you here uh, shortly for barney construction and uh, if you need anything from me make sure to let me know i really appreciate it brian you take care thanks all right guys that's a wrap 
thanks again to Jason for being on the podcast and uh, for supporting the podcast. I, I really appreciate them over there at Forever Barnwood. And um, man, I'm going to be using a bunch of their products. And the homes I'm building, personal home, it's just such a quality look and quality product. So um, thanks again for, for his support of the podcast and uh, everything at Eastman's. And uh, really looking forward to um, trying out some of his stuff. So uh, thanks again to Eastman's for their support of the podcast. Uh, make sure to check out everything we do from uh, internet TV show to uh, the show on the outdoor channel, uh, the magazines, and also Eastman's Tag Hub. And man, with that, um, yeah, just in the, the throes of winter here in Montana, um, it, it hasn't been too bad. It's actually been pretty decent, like getting up into the 30s during the day. And um, it kind of, uh, you know, the cold weather ebbs and flows in and through here uh, as high pressure moves in and moves out and we get a cold front. And um, but, yeah, it's just part of it living in Montana, but uh, enjoying it, getting good exercise, um, out running the trails that I can. It's mostly lowland stuff this time of year. So uh, lowland grass country, but I really enjoy it. I uh, had a great one yesterday with the dog, um, ran in a new spot and it's. It you know it's not very often like I get to travel around Montana and find new spots like wherever I go but uh, around my home area uh, it 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 doesn't happen too often where I get to go to a new spot so that's always fun but yeah just been getting in my training and um, enjoying the entire process uh, enjoying putting in the work in these units right now and applications and um, enjoying getting my workouts been spending a bunch of time with my bow getting that thing absolutely dialed just loving that new V3X. That thing is shooting. So, um, yeah, dialing in that thing and um, getting some work done and getting ready for another season. Uh, so fun to start planning the adventures, playing with the possibilities. I think that's part of the funnest thing. I think that's like a gambler, right? When you're uh, putting in for draws and uh, I just um, part of the fun for me is picturing drawing that hunt and being able to go do it. So, yeah, we'll um, hopefully uh, uh, Lady Luck's on my side this year for the drawings, and hopefully she's on your side, too. Uh, there's a bunch of opportunities out there in units, and um, as, as long as I'm hunting somewhere, I'll be a happy man. But, boy, it sure would be nice to pull one of those lotto tickets. So um, pretty cool stuff. So getting applied there and, um, yeah, enjoying time with my family and um, daughter's senior year here. So um, it's going to go by quick. So enjoying that and... Um, yeah, just making the most out of it, Montana winter. So uh, thanks a bunch for the support, you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, I will be at the expo here in um, about a week or so. So hopefully see some of you guys there and um, hopefully get some good recorded podcasts there. So going to be on my game. There's just um, so many great hunters that are there, and it's so fun to, to sit down you know, with these guys and have these in-depth conversations. So going to try to... Um, try to get a few good recordings done. So thanks a bunch, you guys, for the support. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, with that, I'll check in with you next week.